And this is USL Radio with Dwayne Rollins and Kevin Laramie. The only show entirely dedicated to the USL. And welcome to USL Radio, our third edition. We have a special edition today with Sacramento Republic as our focus. Evan Ream, he joins us from the Davis Enterprise, not to be mistaken with the um, with Star the Trek. Enterprise, yeah. the Enterprise. But uh, you know, it's a it's a nice little community newspaper. He's covered Sacramento uh, Republic since the beginning. Uh, Sacramento, uh, sorry, Davis local soccer. There, uh, Evan joined us a little bit earlier. We taped that recording. Lots of good stuff we talked about there. MLS expansion got touched on, just the state of the team this year, the players to look for, um, you know, what makes that market tick. So that's our future market of this week. And funny how the world is small because talking about the players of Sacramento, a lot of names that we're familiar with, uh, both in your neck of the woods and my neck of the woods, Justin Braun and players like this. So, yeah, I think we're going to have a lot of fun covering USL this year. Absolutely. And, yeah, because players, you know, they they move up, they move down. you see a lot of up-and-coming type players there. That That's, I think, what makes the league exciting. So, um, you know, so it's some good good week three. We've settled into the season now. Uh, you know, we've got some interesting stories in the in the West with Seattle's start there. Uh, Vancouver's turned it around after their tough first game. Uh, here in the East, Charleston is the early uh, breakout favorite so far. Nine points undefeated there. Uh, they were our first... Uh, our first team we had in. So the USL bump continues. They are top of the entire league right now, both conferences. But uh, before we get into all of that, let's take a real quick break now, Kevin. Bring on that interview with Evan, and then we'll come back. We'll break the scores down. We'll talk a bit about some other issues. The music on the show today is brought to you by The Danger, available on Bandcamp, thedanger.bandcamp.com. A band out of Seattle, that's a Seattle 2 fan, and we just wanted to promote their music on the show today. So go get that CD on thedanger.bandcamp.com. USL Radio. My name is Dwayne Rollins. Evan Ream from the Davis Enterprise joins us now. He covers the Sacramento Republic. Evan, thanks for taking time. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. I want to have Evan on pretty quick this year because uh, Sacramento is one of the great uh, success stories of USL. They're the Orlando of the West, so to speak, and they've kind of come out of nowhere in a lot of ways, in a lot of people's mind, to become one of the leading candidates to make the jump up to MLS. My first question to you, Evan, is, is simply this. Why are they so successful? What is the secret of Sacramento's success off the field in particular? Um, well, there are a lot of different factors. Uh, first of all, Sacramento is a relatively uh, large city. I mean, people like to make fun of it in California because it, compared to um, San Francisco, uh, L.A., San Diego, even San Jose and Fresno, um, Sacramento is not as big as any of those cities. But you know, there are a lot of people, and, and, and there are a lot of people who 
uh, are really sports fans, but in order for, you know, there, there, sorry, there aren't a lot of options, I guess, in order to watch sports. You know, you have the Sacramento Kings, who were really popular for um, a number of years, not necessarily as popular now. They almost moved. Um, and then other than that, you only have the Rif River Cats, which are a AAA baseball team, which actually um, Sacramento Republic uh, President Warren Smith was actually uh, instrumental in helping start that team. But, you know, there just really aren't a lot of options if you want to go see a live sport in the Sacramento area. And if you combine that with the fact that the team has done pretty much all the right things on and off the field, I mean, they've been successful on, on the field, which has in turn helped um, – helped bolster the success of the team uh, when in terms of off the field, in terms of selling people tickets. But the team has also just sort of made all the right moves in stepping into the market in terms of selling tickets, uh, giving away free tickets for some for some games, um, out community outreach, uh, you know, everything like that. They, they pretty much haven't made a single bad move. And, and it, it's, they, they're, they treat themselves like a major league franchise, even though they're a third division franchise. And so people really believe in, believe in this team here in the area. And I think that uh, has to do with why they're so successful. I've been doing a little bit of research for this. Uh, I kind of got the vibe of Sacramento has more of a Northwest feel to it than a California feel. Is that a fair assessment? Um, I mean, in terms of the way the the city is, I mean, obviously the weather is nothing, um, you know, nothing alike. We were uh, over, you know, we were in the nineties the other day, but, um, I get, yeah, you know, it's sort of Sacramento is, you know, no one's ever gone on vacation to Sacramento before. I've never heard someone say, oh, I'm going on vacation to Sacramento, but it's starting to get sort of a, it's sort of like a, a Portland light city in terms of like, you know, there are a lot of great microbrewing places. There are a lot of people here who are really invested in putting time in the community. And it, 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 it is sort of similar in that way, but then it's also not because, you know, we have like state capital here and, uh, you know, the whole state is run from the Sacramento area. But I mean, I guess I can sort of see where comparisons go, but it's not, you know, all the way Northwest. It's, it is, but it's, it's probably the closest vibe to Northwest that you would get in California, I'd say. Absolutely. Evan, uh, Sacramento Republic announced uh, at the beginning of the season that they're going to launch a USSDA program for an academy. Uh, not a lot of USL team starting academy programs before they have a path to MLS. Do you think that having an academy for the Sacramento Republic is one of the way they'll eventually make their way to Major League Soccer? Um, I don't know if it's a way, if it's something that's going to help them on their way to Major League Soccer necessarily, but it is a big step forward. I believe that there are only two other USL teams with academy um, programs, and you know it's something that I think was needed in the area because the one academy program that was in the area, uh, San Juan, before it wasn't really centralized in the city of, of Sacramento. It was sort of out on, um, you know, one of the sides. And so it was making it for people in Davis, you know, they had to drive. And there are a lot of good players from Davis. You know, you talk about Jaleel Anibata, Baba, Adam John. Um, those those guys came from Davis. But, you know, it was a really long drive from for different places, uh uh, out in the Sacramento area, and now you even have kids um, who are going up to De Anza Force, which is over in Saratoga, California, over in the Bay Area. It's a two-hour drive, um, and that's what some kids are doing. And I think it's so, so. I think it's really important to have the academy because it's going to be sort of a unifying um, club for the city, which the city has never really had before. But you know, I mean, in terms of helping them 
get to MLS. I'm not really sure that's a huge factor. Maybe it is. I know at the press conference um, uh, for it, uh, Warren Smith, the team president, you know, said something along the lines of, you know, we're getting MLS. It's it's about it, it's not if it's a when, and this is just another step in towards us, you know, becoming a major league franchise. So yeah, I guess sort of, but I don't see it as a huge as a huge uh, difference maker in, in whether or not they get MLS. How is soccer doing in the grassroots of Sacramento? Is it really a popular sport in recreational for the younger kids? And is it a sport that's growing in the area? Yeah, I would definitely say so. You know, I mean, there are tons and tons and tons of youth programs and we have um, a great amount of of uh, soccer complexes that just seem to be only expanding. You know, there are a lot of really good um, players who were uh from the area, and if you look just at Sacramento, you know, Republic, their team, the guy who scored against um, uh, Portland Timbers 2 the other day, Cameron Iwasa, he's from, he's from the area. He grew up playing youth soccer here. Um, and there are, I think, 10 to 12 guys from the area who are playing in MLS and the USL who played in the youth programs here, which are, I think, considered fairly good youth programs. And, and, and I, you know, I would say that it's I, I, you know, I'm speaking. I mostly cover soccer in Davis, which is a town of about sixty thousand, um, ten miles west of of Sacramento. And, or sorry, I mostly cover youth soccer there. And the, you know, there are I think over three thousand youth players just in Davis. And that, I mean, that's a pretty large amount. And and I, I think that the the interest is similar in Sacramento as well. Evan, let's take it to this particular season after the championship year last year. A bit of a slower start. I mean, you had a couple good teams, I think, in front of you. But uh, are people worried in Sacramento now, or do you think this is just kind of an early season bump and and you it's you know all systems ahead? Yeah, no, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's really, um, you know, if you watched if you watched all three of the games, it's not like they've they've played poorly or anything like that it's just really just been a lack of finishing in the final third and you know Sacramento's well and against Seattle Seattle just uh, sort of destroyed them in the center uh, through through the center of their defense but you know one of the things you're looking at is the USL defender of the year last year hasn't played yet for Sacramento and Nemanja Vukovic uh, Sacramento's probably their best player in Justin Braun has been hurt and so that really hurts for for um, finishing in the final third and I, I you know they played three of probably the best teams in the Western Conference all on the road, and they've managed to come away with three points, which I don't think is, is actually terrible. And, you know, one of, the, one of the things last year is that Sacramento only lost one game at Bonnie Field, and that was after they had already clinched the number two seed and could not go any further. They lost on the last day of the season to LA Galaxy 2. So, I mean, the team has a tremendous home field advantage that they haven't had a chance to exercise last year. And, you know, they were sort of a... Um, a 500 team until they went on an amazing run once Bonnie Field opened. And so, you know, I would expect them to sort of do a lot better at home than they, they, they do away, especially in USL where you have to, you know, take the bus or, or you have all these, these crappy travel arrangements because just the team simply just don't have enough money. I think there's more of a home field advantage in USL than in MLS, I guess I would say. Uh, Evan, you mentioned a, a player's name in there, but do you want to just sort of give those that have never really watched the Republic just a, a rundown on, on the key key components, key players of the team this year? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's very similar to last year. You know, the only difference makers who were uh, there uh, last year who aren't there this year was the goalkeeper, Jake Gleason, who had a really good game against Sac Republic on Thursday, and then uh, Adam John, who's started and played 90 minutes for San Jose Earthquakes on uh, Sunday. 
Um, you know, the team, they play sort of a 4-4-2 in, in like a bucket formation, like uh, very similar to the way that um, uh, the U.S. played under Bob Bradley. Um, and they really attack forward with their outside backs. And, um, you know, some of the key players, obviously, Rodrigo Lopez, who uh, had bounced around in MLS a little bit in his career. Um, he, he's a left midfielder for them. He was a USL MVP uh, runner-up, I believe, last year. Um, he, he's one of the main difference makers in the final third. Um, Justin Braun, who's sort of during his Sacramento career has been hurt a lot. Um, he's a really big difference maker whenever he's on the field. And he's the player who I think is the actual best player on Sac Republic. But, I mean, you know, it's it's a it, it, outside of those couple of guys that are, it's not really an individual thing it's a lot more of a team thing you get a lot of goals from a lot of different players and you know it, it's a it's a precky team every single guy works really 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 hard um both to get forward on offense and to get back on defense and the team just plays pretty much good soccer and there aren't you know a ton of difference makers because you know it's usl if any of the guys was a huge difference maker they'd be moving up a level um but one of the guys who has been important for them this year is uh, Octavio Guzman. He's a central midfielder, um, guy out of Chico State. He's been sort of defensive midfielder because they play two defensive midfielders. But he scored three goals already this season. So um, I guess sort of that he's a guy who I would look to sort of make a jump into being one of the better players in the league this year. Evan, you mentioned a couple of names that you we're familiar with when we follow MLS: Justin Braun, Adam. John, uh, a.k.a. Pillow Feet. Uh, that brings me to a question. We have a lot of new teams in USL this year that are two teams in quotes. Uh, USL, the Sounders FC2, Timbers 2, Toronto 2, FC Montreal. Uh, what is the point of view of standalone teams compared to the uh, MLS two-sides team in USL? Is there going to be a rivalry between the teams or is there a big difference between the two philosophies? And uh, do you think that's going to be an interesting narrative for this year? Um, as far as rivalries, you know, you know what the LA Galaxy two did last year was really impressive. I mean, they they were able to develop, you know, a lot of their younger guys and get a lot of their guys minutes. And in fact, I think I remember reading in um, a magazine that you know the only reason that Bradford Jamison the fourth didn't go sign with the European team was because of LA Galaxy two. And that blueprint was so successful that it spawned what like seven other usl uh, two teams i mean it was it was they had they had an incredible amount of success and they were successful on the field but you know i mean they only have 500 fans at a game as far as rivalries i mean you know it's fair to say that sac republic's biggest rival is probably la galaxy too but it's also fair to say that la galaxy as an organization probably just don't care about sac republic <laughs> it's sort of like the old you know if you follow the nba there's a whole Kings Lakers rivalry, which was huge in Sacramento, but no one who was a Lakers fan cared. And it, it, it's it's you know as far as a rivalry, I don't I don't know if that's a thing. You know, and it's so hard because you know obviously in in Seattle and in Portland, you're seeing pretty good crowds out there, but no one in the league can really match the support that Sacramento has gotten. And so I think you know probably Sacramento's biggest rivalry right now is actually the San Jose Earthquakes, who they've only played, you know, the preseason twice and in um, a U.S. Open Cup game. But every single one of those games was heated and every single one of those games brought fans from both sides. And that's something that's, I think, lacking with a lot of the USL2 teams, because if you're a average soccer fan, especially in the L.A. area where there are so many other things to do, it's why are you going to go to a 
uh, USL two game when you could just go see the first team play. You know, as a as a lifetime uh, different sport, but as a lifetime Toronto Blue Jay fan, I always consider the uh, the Red Sox and the Yankees my biggest rivalry. But I'm not sure they share that opinion. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, that's uh, that's move it to the MLS expansion question. Uh, Minnesota, of course, just had the team added. Sacramento has come out of left field to be, I think, most people's pick for the next for the next team in. Uh, do you see it that way? Um, it's interesting because. You know, Sacramento actually, as far as, you know, we had the the whole discussion about, you know, it, it, markets need these boxes checked, right? These we, we need, in order to get expansion to MLS, you needed a good ownership group with deep pockets, which Sacramento has. They needed uh, a plan for a soccer-specific stadium, which Sacramento has, in addition to the soccer-specific stadium that they have right now. Um, you needed a good fan base, which Sacramento obviously had, and you needed to be in a um, a market that was, you know, large enough for MLS. And you know, Sacramento has all those things, right? Which is sort of, you know, they've checked more boxes than I think, honestly, Minnesota. Though it is more important for the league to be in the Midwest rather than have another team in California, in my opinion. You know, so I think it really all comes down to Miami against Sacramento, and if Miami can actually do what 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 it is they need to do in order to get a team. And honestly, I think that. It's more important for the league to be in Miami than it is for the league to be in Sacramento if Miami is done right. And that's the big question. Will Miami be be done right? And that's what we don't know. The the ideal Miami situation where they would actually draw fans to their team and they'd um, you know, form partnerships with all the large companies that are in Miami, that, that ideal situation, if it went well would be so much better than the ideal situation for Sacramento because Sacramento is more like a a sure thing, right? You know, you put Sacramento in the league right now and it's going to be popular, it's going to be successful, but the peak is not as high as the peak in Miami. Is Miami is so much less of a sure thing, but so much more of a, 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 a and, and so much more of a risk, but the reward for Miami is so much higher than it could be for Sacramento. So I think you know, the league is just sort of trying to say, can we get it done in Miami? And if not, we're going to get it done in Sacramento. That being said, um, both Warren Smith, team president, and Kevin Johnson, the mayor of Sacramento, former um, NBA All-Star, who was instrumental in helping the Kings stay in Sacramento, um, they have both said that MLS had to- has told them that they will get a team. They just don't know when. So it's all about, will it be in this, quote, round of expansion or, or will it not? You know, I think the Sacramento actually, you say it come out came out of left field. It's sort of messed up MLS's plans. I think MLS had a really good idea of which markets they wanted in the league, and they didn't really consider when they said, sorry, when they said 24 teams by 2020, they didn't consider Sacramento one of those teams, and Sacramento has been so successful both on and off the field that has sort of forced the hand of MLS and uh, probably made them reevaluate their whole entire expansion plans by itself. All right, Evan, uh, I think we all look forward to, to seeing Sacramento make that step up. They've earned it. Uh, not to say that they should discount this year, though. And you know, this is a USL show, so we we shouldn't discount this year. Um, Evan, <laughs> tell tell people how they can reach you. Yeah, so um, you can find me on Twitter simply at Evan Ream. Um, if you don't want all the random crap that I tweet, in addition to my stories, you can just go and like me on Facebook at uh, um, facebook.com slash Evan Ream Soccer and um, go to the DavisEnterprise.com. It's a terrific. Uh, community journalism newspaper uh, 
And yeah, th- those are the, I guess, the three best ways to find me. Thanks for having me, guys. No worries. And we'll maybe touch base a little later this season. Evan Ream from the Davis Enterprise covers the Sacramento Republic. We'll be right back after this quick break. Indoctrinated faith, acceptance without questions. You're a cut above the rest. So why do you act surprised? And thanks again to Evan for joining us. We're going to talk a bit more, Kevin and I, about MLS expansion, about uh, just sort of being careful what you wish for sometimes when it comes to moving up that neighbor level. I don't want to say that it's wrong for the people of Sacramento to want to go up there, but let's just explore a little bit about whether we think Sacramento is, in fact, the next team in, whether or not they might lose something by, by losing that lower level and, and kind of touch on some of those issues there. But before we do that, Kevin, let's quickly go through the scores of last week. It was a busy week. Lots of midweek games. Lots of action for people to watch. Uh, Kevin, I'll shoot to you and uh, we'll, we'll start the scores that way. We'll start with the first game of the week matches was Wednesday, April 1st. And it's not a joke. Vancouver Whitecaps won 3-0 in Austin versus the Aztecs at Ouse Park for a great victory and a clean sheet for Vancouver. Yeah, I, I watched that one. That was a good way to start the week. Uh, the Whitecaps kids, uh, they, they went out there. They, they got it done. Uh, I know some of the people attached to that team are still don't think they're firing on all cylinders just yet, but 3-0, how can you complain with that? Uh, St. Louis got a win 2-0 over Tulsa. That uh, that market, as we talked about in the past, uh, past week's show, it's getting back into the game after a bit of a break and a long history there, so good win for them. The Portland Timbers 2-1, 2-0 versus a team we focus on, 2-1 actually, versus a team we focus on today, the Sacramento Republic in Portland to uh, start the beginning of the season, actually getting on the right path with this victory for Portland. Yeah, absolutely. In Sacramento, we touched on it with Evan in the interview, whether the the slow start there, I think that they'll probably regroup. A bit of an upset, Arizona 2-1 over LA2, LA2, one of the preseason favorites, so a bit of an upset there. Absolutely. Wilmington Hammerheads FC won. Charlotte Independence won. Wilmington spoiled the Charlotte's first game as the Charlotte took the lead, but Wilmington equalized and finished a draw for a uh, a rivalry that might be starting in USL. And OKC with the 2-1 win over Colorado Springs, but the big news there, Kevin, is the state of Colorado finally has a professional soccer goal this year. The Rapids, for those that will listen to our MLS show tomorrow, will know. They're now uh, they're getting close, uh, 600 minutes without scoring, but we'll save that talk for tomorrow. But at least Colorado got that goal. And New York City, Red Bulls, two, uh, four goals against Toronto FC, two with one goal. It's going to be hard to differentiate the scores and the name of the team this year with a lot of two teams, but the Red Bulls beat TFC 2-4-1. Yeah, that was a tough one. There was... TFC closed it to 2-1 in the second half. Um, it, 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 Red Bulls used a few more experienced players in that game, and it really did show through. It's tough to win in the road, as we said. TFC had a great start to the season, I think, by and large, but that one was a bit of a setback there for TFC2 in this market. We'll probably talk a bit more of that. We have some sound from Jason Bent that we'll probably – probably get on in a little later in the show too from that show uh richmond louisville one one draw there uh 
well, not a lot of draws this week, but that was one. Uh, Richmond and Louisville, one one. Pittsburgh Riverhound at home one versus the Rochester Rhinos, which are the next opponent for the FC Montreal. Rhinos two, Pittsburgh one in Pittsburgh. And finally, we have Charleston with a 2-0 win over Harrisburg. Harrisburg looks a bit like they might struggle this year based on what I've seen. I've watched uh, big parts of both of their games, and uh, they've got some issues to work out, particularly at the back. 2-0 loss today. Absolutely. And the last game of the weekend, the second game for both teams was uh, this Saturday. Uh, Tulsa Roughnecks FC 0 versus Austin 0 as well. A nil-nil, actually 2, sorry about that. Austin 2, Tulsa 0. Uh, Oklahoma is having a uh, a rough week with uh, two laws and no goals. All right. And that was your scores there. Uh, Charleston, as I mentioned off the top, nine points. They are perfect 3-0. There's a bunch of teams in the West tied at six points. It's a little early to start talking about standings right now, but Charleston has been the standout of the very early part of this season. Kevin, Sacramento, are they going to be the next MLS team? I before we I started thinking about the subject, I thought for sure yes. I've actually been to Sacramento a couple of years ago. It, it's a growing community, and as we talked with Evan Ream, it, it's a young community that's growing, it's blooming, and it doesn't have an outlet to support another team than the basketball team. For for a lot of soccer fans, the USL team is the be all end all in that area. It's still pretty far from San Jose, about four hour drive. It's not that accessible, the professional level of MLS. So Sacramento could be a nice spot, still close enough to create rivalries with other MLS teams in the region, but enough to fill the void between uh, Southern California, Northern California, like the Bay Area, and the Pacific Northwest. So it fills a little of that void, even though uh, other teams in Oregon could happen, but I don't think so. But I think Sacramento could be uh, a good idea. But you know what? I don't think they're there yet. I think they need to become even bigger than they are right now. Because I compared the other team that made the trip from USL to MLS was Orlando. And Orlando had a couple of years of great crowd support on top of great performance on the field that led to their uh, 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 promotion, in quotes, to Major League Soccer. Yeah, look, the one thing I will say in their favor, and I think that MLS... They're kind of ambivalent about this. They're torn both ways, right? That they, as I've been touched on, Miami is just sexier for them. And even though Miami doesn't have really anything going on for them, um, truly, they don't. They can't get a stadium built. They have no organic crowd support. They have no history, really, of supporting the domestic game there. They have a failed MLS team in the past compared to Sacramento. Yeah, and a lot of people want to build condos except of being the stadium. And it seems like the city itself doesn't want them. And even though anybody else in the state wants Miami. Yeah, and as Evan said, you know, you mean well compare that to Sacramento where they truly have grabbed it and forced their hand, forced MLS to take them seriously because they weren't an, a market that was on anyone's uh, attention agenda whatsoever until they started to get those crowds out. So really when you look at it from a fairness perspective, there's nothing fair about the fact Miami is going to be ahead of MLS in terms of their, their desires, but the reality is they probably are as Evan suggested. However – there's only going to be so long that MLS is going to wait on the Miami thing. They're going to always keep them in mind. If Miami ever gets anything together, whatever, whoever is next in line for that MLS expansion, and again, we talked about this last week, I don't think MLS is stopping anytime soon in terms of their expansion. There's too much money coming in. There's just too much uh, potential in terms of growing the TV footprint, which is really their big, uh, their big market there that they need to grow on. Uh, they're just not going to stop. But, uh, you know, if Miami gets a stadium, 
a, some kind of even half-assed stadium plan in place, whoever is next in line is going to be completely pushed down one spot for Miami to jump in. But that said, Sacramento really has done it the, um, the Orlando way. And uh, I think that they're one of the – there's a key comparison between both Orlando and Sacramento in that they're both kind of – how do I put this delicately? They're secondary markets that are both – they're secondary, but they're big enough. You know what I mean? Yeah, if uh, people focus and commit early on, it reminds me of Winnipeg as a hockey team. It kind of like the same similar size of market with a team with, that you need the same type of similar support, uh, not money-wise for the players, but I mean money-wise for the infrastructure, the size of the stadium and everything. I, I think it does a, you're right, the, because there's not a huge NHL or basically there's no NFL teams in that area they can get that support that people want to support their own team. But uh, the only one that they could have, like the Kings, and the Kings have been a long way, long time since they've been good on the court. So people lost interest, and they needed something to grab that sport interest locally. And I think Sacramento Republic, that's where they, that's where they got that support. Yeah, even you go so far back as Portland, you can see there's comparisons to that. Mm-hmm. These are markets that are big, but they're not huge. Uh, they have some pro footprint, but not tons. You know, like one all- of the top five leagues usually. Yeah, so the, it allows MLS to be taken more seriously. It allows it to be considered a higher professional level. You go into a huge market. Even even I look here in Toronto, where I'm most familiar with TFC, is in terms of its overall popularity, still one of the more popular teams in MLS in terms of local support, but they're still fourth or fifth in the market, right? Whereas you go into a Sacramento, they're going to be number two in the market right away, and that's going to get them more media attention, going to get them more relevance, more legitimacy in the eyes of of the local market, the local sports fans, and I think that that's that's a key component. Like I said, Portland's similar, Orlando's similar. Um, Sacramento, I think, would fit into that mold. I, I like those kind of markets in MLS that where they have a greater level of, of relevance. It's you got to be in the big markets. You get it from a perspective. And it's it's wonderful that NYCFC is coming this year and been so far kind of successful. Uh, we'll see if that lasts long term. It's great that they're trying to get into Miami. Uh, I think Minnesota is a, is a huge city, obviously a multi-sport city, and, and I think it makes a lot of sense there. But these these teams are always going to be four or five in the market. So to get into markets where they're one, two, that's a relevant thing. And I think that's something that does appeal to, to MLS. Absolutely. And it's one thing, too, that might make the number of teams go higher than 24. And if the MLS realize that there's a lot of markets that are untapped at the real top level yes when we're on this show we cover a lot of usl teams but some of those markets might be big enough for a major league soccer team but without any other competition on the sports level they might really gather that grassroots support that can actually make it work yeah you look at teams like uh you know arizona and phoenix there you look at uh at um st louis if they could get some money down there that's like, obviously like the they want the, to be in. in the carolinas in the charlotte's there's basketball is really popular but outside of basketball between the teams yes there's the panthers of carolina but it's only one of them there's some space in a lot of the south a lot of the east coast there's, there's a lot of empty pockets of pro teams where an usl team can gather enough support to eventually have a legitimate shot at having him last team yeah but that said, and this is the other part of this, and we are a USL show, so we shouldn't factor out on this. Is it always the be-all, end-all? Uh, should that be something that uh, that Sacramento really is that? Ex- you know, yeah, obviously you want to compete at the highest level possible, but 
maybe you have a good thing going. Maybe the localness of of the product right now is something valuable that you won't realize how valuable it was until it's gone. The accessibility will change. The price point will change. There's lots of things that will change. I mean, Kevin, you saw it uh, in Montreal when uh, the impact went up from what was called USL at the time. It was really more the equivalent of the NASL when you look at the levels. It all gets very confusing when you're talking about the yes. alphabet suit of North American soccer. But, however... That move did change some of the dynamic and it did change some of the way I think people absorb and, and support a team. Absolutely. It changed the, the, the type of crowd that it attracted. Going from a family base to more of a 1835 focus, even though they're going back to the family to get that crowd, uh, the, the amount they want. But yeah, it does change the focus of marketing of everything when you go to the higher level possible in North America everything else comes to this and you don't have the same type of mom and pops feeling that you do have in USL if you're looking at the sponsors and all the branding surrounding teams that really will change and it's almost like a soul of a team that's going away when you make the graduation to major league soccer it also changes the localness and we have a bit of a unique perspective up here uh, in Canada because of the Canadian aspect of it. But I know that both the Impact and the Whitecaps, if you want to look in Vancouver, had had a massive Canadian, massive local sort of – and players that played for that team. They weren't all Canadians, but there were a lot more. And now that they're in MLS, that's just simply not the case anymore. Especially and Vancouver. Yeah, especially Vancouver. There are, <laughs> there are a lot of players, a lot of people – uh, they're probably a minority, but there is a significant minority that that doesn't like that and has, has turned away from that. And I know that uh, talking to people in Vancouver, there are a certain aspect. Again, it's not the majority, but there are some people that look at that as a loss, that they that their team is not as – doesn't feel as much like theirs anymore. And that's always sort of the, 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 the debate, the internal debate that people have when you're going up to MLS. When you know you, a market like here in Toronto wouldn't – when we received the MLS team, we had the links in the USL, but the links were, for for many different reasons, not that big of a deal in the market, largely because the ownership was even worse than MLS in a lot of ways, which is hard to believe, but they were. Um, it was kind of a Mickey Mouse kind of operations, whereas if you look at the, what Sacramento's doing, you look at what Montreal and Vancouver did back in the day, and it wasn't the case at all. These were major league operations operating in a minor league, and they won. They won a lot, too. You don't win as much when you move up, and that's a big difference and uh well, it's, you know it's it's the famous big fish in a small pond or a small fish in a big pond you have to decide what you want to be what the identity of your club and if you want to stay a club and become a franchise it's that conversation needs to be held behind closed doors before you decide to make uh, the push for mls yeah and uh, look i think sacramento is a market that is big enough and it is it does have enough desire to move up to that next level that there's no question that this is where they're going to go and I think there is no question that they're going to get there eventually. I think MLS uh, looks at the ownership as long as they have a stadium plan that they like in place then then they're going to probably put them in. Even adding the academy in the last few weeks although not, it's not what's going to push them above as Evan said, it is it is done with with, uh, with moving up to MLS in, in mind because you have to have an academy when you move to MLS. Yeah. How, but uh, you know what I'll say say to this is that uh, <sighs> there are markets out there maybe that might not well Charleston I Charleston's probably a bit too small but I don't think that that's they they made a conscientious choice a few years ago not to go to NASL when other teams that were around their same level and the same amount of prestige did uh, Rochester same deal that they didn't make that move to NASL when the break happened either and these are both markets that at one point uh, had aspirations at least in Rochester's case to move up and maybe maybe it was for the best that they didn't oh exactly like the 
yes, even if your team has history and was a great team in the lower levels and you, you do have aspirations, you can destroy that same club if you try to move up and you haven't done your homework properly and then you fail. You can be the disappearance of that said club. So yeah, everything needs to be looked into before a move like this because once it's done, it can be undone. Absolutely. Um, I guess on that note, Kevin, I, I wanted to really quickly touch on uh, an issue that uh, that we talked about that's a little more Canadian-oriented. I did uh, real quickly uh, look at this uh, the last week. There were, is a quota for the Canadian teams. It was something that we were wondering whether the Canadian teams would willingly follow. They have been so far. There have been 55 starting positions for uh, prior to the New York-Toronto uh, game this past week. I haven't tracked that one yet, but uh, it wouldn't really change the numbers that much. There was uh, 55 positions, the starting positions that have played in the games involving Canadian teams so far. 40 of them have involved Canadians. So that is, I think, uh, an indication that, uh, that people are following the desire and the needs to be localized, which sort of fits into our previous conversation. I think that is the biggest loss that happens when you move – uh, from a lower level to a higher level, you lose the localness of your team and sort of the local representation becomes more difficult. There are homegrowns, but they're less impactful in terms of the overall numbers. And I, I, I do think there is a real value in that. So I did want to get those Canadian numbers in there. Um, Kevin, we do have some sound from Jason Bent, the coach of TFC2. Why don't we run that now just to talk about the TFC uh, results? And uh, then we'll, uh, we'll come back and we'll wrap and we'll set up next week's show. A depleted roster this past weekend just through national call-ups, first-team call-ups. How do you feel that your squad managed under those changes? Yeah, there were quite a few changes, but we knew that sort of coming into it, and it gives a lot of young players and uh, other players opportunities to play. I thought the squad was fantastic. Um, their work rate, their attitude, uh, they got the sort of loss the previous weekend out of the out of the way and out of their system and performed to, to the game plan and got a good result. How important was it for your team to not only get the lead, but to maintain it and also keep a clean sheet? Clean sheets are always important. It gives us a foundation to build off of. And I thought the players um, learned from the previous week and sort of managing the game better. Uh, we continued to pass the ball and ultimately got the sort of second goal to kill the game off and, and saw it through to make sure that we got over the finish line, which is, which is also part of their development. Marcos Nunes recently signed with this team. How would you describe him as a player? He's more of a sort of wing player, but he's having to adapt and learn to play into the sort of diamond formation that we've set up. Um, so it's going to take him some time, but I thought on the day, you know, his work rate and his sort of awareness was good. Um, scored a fantastic goal, which is always nice on his debut. And, you know, worked hard defensively. So it's a, it's a work in progress, but some encouraging signs. Encouraging signs as well, seeing Mo Babuli named to USL Player of the Week once again, or Team of the Week once again for the second week in a row. What are you seeing for his progression? I thought Mo had a good game. Uh, he's been fairly consistent uh, from the very start um, of preseason, and he's you know he's uh, acquitted himself well in the games uh, on the offensive side. You know, creating goals and also scoring goals, and that's something that uh, we put a little bit of pressure on him to uh, to make sure that he accomplishes in games. Uh, so far, I've, I've also been impressed by his work rate defensively, um, and that's sort of the foundation for how we want to play. And then in the attacking third, you know, he's got a bit of creativity, so which we kind of give him as well as other players the um, freedom to express themselves. What are you expecting out of the Red Bulls, uh, especially they're known as a club that develops a lot of talent. Like they develop Josie, they develop Juan Agudelo. What are you expecting out of them? 
Yes, well, I've watched their last game against Rochester on the weekend. Um, I know they've got a sort of an attacking midfielder that can play two-way, uh, Leo Stoltz from um, UCLA. Uh, they've also got uh, Obikop, who plays on the left, a very exciting player, uh, good left foot and good in the 1v1 situations. Uh, the goalkeeper, Castano, has um, got pretty good uh, distribution uh, out of his feet, so we need to be aware of that. And another player who's come through the draft, uh, Manolo Sanchez, a striker, um, but also can play on the wing. He's uh, got a bit of pace and pretty direct. So, you know, we'll set up our team. We'll, we've done a video session with the players so they know exactly what we're going to be facing. And we'll set out to try and get three points. Do you feel being on the road and knowing that you're going to be on the road for a while, do you actually feel that's a positive in the sense of it's bringing the group together? Well, it definitely brings a group together and it's it's always difficult to win on the road and when you have sort of road trip after road trip you know the accumulation factor uh, can start to creep in but it's important for us as uh, coaching staff uh, that we sort of manage the players during the week and just try to get them prepared so that they have their legs and and their brains fresh as possible uh, to perform on a, on a saturday which is extremely important and then coming into this game what's your overall main message main message is you know clean sheet is is always fantastic you know it gives you a foundation to build off of uh, last the very first game we had an issue with set pieces which we corrected and long may it last um, and we're hoping to try and score continue to score off set pieces as well because we know it's it's such a huge part of the modern day football so um, you know a clean sheet and and one goal would, would suffice for me and welcome back yeah Periodically, we're going to run clips uh, from coaches or whatever uh, that are out there. So as Kevin said, last week's show, if you are someone that covers a team out there, if you're someone that's just a, even a fan of a team out there that has sound that you'd like us to consider running, uh, give us a quick shout at uslsoccerradio at gmail.com. That's uslsoccerradio at gmail.com. And uh, we'll we'll have a listen to that and uh, probably put it on there for you so that we can have a little bit more of a round-the-league kind of sound. Absolutely. And on top of that, if you're somebody that wants to write about a USL team, you're out there, you'd like to write and have nowhere to do so, well, uslradio.com. In the next couple of weeks, we're launching that website where you're able to get all the shows from USL Radio. You're able to get articles from myself, Dwayne, about uh, Montreal, Toronto, when it's possible. And if you would like to write your own, let us know as well on Radio at gmail.com. Our regular uh, coverage of uh, FC Montreal and uh, TFC2 will be on CanadianSoccerNews.com uh, as well as the, uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, Michael McCall will be writing about them all year. So uh, lots of USL coverage on CanadianSoccerNews.com as well. Quick housekeeping note for those that are longtime listeners of my shows. Uh, my original show, it's called Football, which I hosted with, uh, with Ben Rycroft. The archives of that show are going to be up and available to the public for only one more month. Uh, we had to make a decision, a financial decision, to remove those. We are looking at alternative measures of hosting them. But if you were a fan of that show, um, and it really is an oral history of, of MLS in Canada since the, about 2008, and uh, a lot of a lot of valuable stuff there, if I should say so myself. Um, if you do want to listen to some of those old interviews, uh, you know, you might want to grab them this month, but we will be looking at alternative measures to get those down. Uh, Kevin, uh, I'll let you uh, say goodbye on that note. And uh, next week, we'll be back with you with, uh, with an East Coast team we'll be focusing in on. Uh, I have one in mind, but I'm not going to tell you people until I have the booked. But uh, we'll be back definitely looking at the East 
at the Eastern Conference next week. If you want to reach myself or Dwayne, I'm at Kev Laramie. Dwayne's at 24th Minute on Twitter or email us again at USLSoccerRadio at gmail.com. Uh, USL Radio is now available on its own feed, so just it's not on iTunes yet. It will be in the next week, but just search USL Radio on any podcatcher and you will find it. And until next time, well, have a great soccer.